Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Chats with Brent Martineau. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely when you haven't put guys in situations where you can see full speed, you, you can get cut, you can tackle the ground, you know, those situations, obviously we haven't been able to go through those yet. So you're all, there's always a little bit of concern of how's this going to play out. But at the same time, these guys have been doing this their whole lives. They understand we've done our best to put them as close to those situations as we can uh, within the rules of the league. Does that uh, continue to be Press Taylor? I got to get used to his voice. Yeah, that's Press. Now, I'm going to say this again. And last time you blew by it because you didn't know what I was saying. That's old Sherwood. Old Sherwood? You know his Press real Taylor? Yeah, his real name is yeah. Sherwood. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't he, actually is there like press isn't any part of his name, right? It's, so it's like I think Sherwood it's, somebody Taylor, No, I think it's middle name. It's, oh, press is his middle name? Let me check. But I remember because do you remember when I was yeah, it's his middle name. You remember when I was trying to be friends with him? Like I thought Press Taylor would be a cool guy to be friends with. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. This, was this How's a strategic a strategic friendship you were trying to make? Yeah, so so far we're not friends. I've actually never <laughs> talked to him. Um so I don't know far. if you can put in a request for me, Brian. I'd love to get a one on one with him to just be friends, not about football. Um but <laughs> me and Brian were doing a deep dive on him one day on the show. And found out his name was Sherwood. Was this your exploratory committee during the uh, decision-making of whether you wanted to be friends with him or not? No, I had already decided I wanted to be his friend. And then when I saw Sherwood, I was like, mm. yeah, Listen, and then, yeah. You so. want to be friends with Press Taylor. Yeah. You're questioning Sherwood. Meanwhile, if he's watching this, he's looking at you. Come on. He's really just looking at the shoulders. Yeah. Right <laughs> he's just, I mean, he's just focused at... on this forest of body hair that's being presented to the, the camera. Look, if you're watching the stream right now, you're thinking this is a guy that you want to be friends with. <laughs> okay? Absolutely. You know, Amanda's you're you're looking like, at it horrified that this is someone she decides to marry. Like, I married this. This looks like a good friend, not necessarily a great companion. But And on top of all that, by the way, you, you look like... Uh, the only thing you're missing is the first name Sherwood. I literally could, yeah, that could literally be my name, and it would make a lot of sense. That would be great. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, let's get Sherwood Press to be Press friends with me. Taylor. How curious are you about Press uh, Taylor <laughs> in terms of, you know, what he can accomplish with this offense? Or does it not matter because we all feel Doug Peterson's an offensive coach. He's calling the plays. This is his system. This is his everything. He's the guy. Uh, Press hopefully does a really good job of complimenting him, but we're really not concerned like we are, or at least curious, like we are about Mike Caldwell, who we think that's like really his defense. Like, how do you guys see that? Is it is it Doug? Is it Doug and Press? Is it Press? Um, how curious are you about the, the, the young OC? Yeah, I... I'm curious because I think he's a visionary, right? I think he will bring some stuff that Doug Peterson maybe won't in terms of, like, the new innovative Sean McVay type, like his brother Zach Taylor-like style. So I'm not, like, concerned about him. I think he will bring things that will work into the offense. But to your point, I think Doug Peterson's in charge and running this thing. But I remember when Doug said either intro press conference. I think it was the intro press conference where he said, like, hey, if things aren't working, I'll hand it over to press and we'll move on. He did. So yeah, press did. is going to have those opportunities, but I think for now it's Doug's offense and press will kind of give his feedback on that. I thought that was really cool, by the way, like when Peterson said that, and I'd never heard that. And maybe it's a more common thing than I think, but basically said, listen, if I'm doing a crap job and the offense isn't doing anything, I'm going to get a 
I might in the second half just hand the play sheet over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, now he'll still have influence because he could certainly veto a call. But I thought that was a fascinating. I, I want to see if that actually happens. But that, of all the things that caught my attention from like Doug Peterson's opening news conference, that might have been the one mm-hmm. because I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. And I kind of wish it had happened like 15 million times over the last 15 years with the Jags offense. Amen, brother. But it could be more common than we know. Yeah, but we don't find out. But I, I'm i excited about the dude. But he is he's a candidate for it goes well for a year or two, and then he's somebody's head coach. So, like, you might have the fear of losing him. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. That could happen. Um, here's, uh, by the way, it. It looks like you went back and forth, Aaron, about your parody song. Uh, <laughs> hell no. Nah. Turn that off now. <laughs> uh, feedback. Or that bring that energy to the show. <laughs> He's bringing uh, the energy. This is good feedback. Uh, how do we say that? Is that Dariol? I call it Dariol. I don't know. Yeah. Like, how do we say that? I, I think it's give me a pronunciator. YB. I know. We need a pronunciator in the chat. Uh, that would be good. Well, he can tell us. Uh, meanwhile, a little big man says Doug Peterson is the mastermind. Press is his protege. Uh, That's what that word is. Protege. Protege. Um, I didn't know. And so, yeah, I could see that, too. Like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I asked the question. I was going to ask the question, like, hey, Press, how's he going to do? But I don't think you asked that question because it's kind of like how's Doug going to do. And Press is complimentary to it. And I think, like you said, Casey, is really kind of a really good way to look at it. It's, uh, I don't know about protege, I just think he's, he could be like this mastermind of certain plays. Uh, you know, could he throw the wrinkle in? Could he be the one to nudge Doug on a third and whatever? Uh, and, and just remind him, hey, we got this that really might work, you know, because he thinks that way. Uh, and don't sleep on guys like Mike McCoy as well, who's done it. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot to like on that side of the ball from a coaching standpoint. How they work together, we'll never really know, probably, unless they tell us. And I'm sure they won't tell us everything. Um, but I think that will be a key part of this because there are a lot of influences and probably uh, coaches that have ideas and have done some things before. I think sometimes when you have that, it's hard to hold back. Uh, is Doug Peterson allowing them to have some influence in all of this, uh, and especially on a Sunday, on a game day, or at least making the game plan? I would think yes, but I don't exactly know what that looks like, how that works. Brent Martin, O'Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I think we have Steven hanging around, talking on the offensive side of the ball. I think he has a question about receivers. So uh, where is Brent is a question on the show. Where is Steven calling from? Is also a question on the show. Hello, Teen Wolf. Hey, how you guys doing? What's hey, up, man? Can you hear me a little better? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It sounds crystal clear. All right. Uh, my question is, since you're out there and I'm hearing uh, from, you know, reporters like, you know, John Shipley, uh, Jordan DeLugo, uh, that they're liking the receiving core, but they're seeing uh, the promise and shine here and there from uh, LaJuan Winningham when everybody was kind of high on Kevin Austin, who seems to be having, well, doing what LaVisca was doing last year and dropping everything that comes near him. And I just wanted to get your thoughts since you're out there seeing him uh, out there playing and making catches. What's your opinion on him? Can he be like a Keelan Cole, who is also an undrafted free agent, eventually work to the roster? 
Thanks, uh, Stephen. Appreciate it. Stephen always makes me nervous when he starts, like, mentioning Bro, people in the media. <laughs> go look at the stream. I was on the dumb button. <laughs> I, I, I mean, swear. It, he, he's done it before, you know? And it's uh, and uh, so good references on this occasion. Yes. Just be careful, okay? If they talk into a microphone, business, don't mention them. We talk in the radio. <laughs> That's right. If they talk into a microphone, <laughs> please don't mention them. Um, uh, you know, it's a good question about uh, Winningham because – he is a guy that has caught my attention going all the way back to the spring. And yesterday made a really nice uh, – yesterday, two days ago, Monday, first day of practice, made a really nice catch along with – I mentioned Kirk and Dan Arnold. They made nice catches. Well, this guy did too, Lawan Winningham. And, I, you know, you're asking, can he be that guy, right? Can he be that undrafted free agent guy that we've seen before? And that's a popular position for undrafted free agents uh, like an Allen Hearns, like a Keelan Cole to be able to make the team make impact. You know what the beauty about this receiving core, I think, for the Jacksonville Jaguars guys, is they needed guys like Keelan Cole and Allen Hearns to make the team, make impact, kind of be this diamond in the rough that they found, and, and they were. Uh, James Robinson was that for the Jags the last couple of years. Sure, the sure. Running backs yeah. the, I don't know if the Jags need that guy this year. Like, I don't think they need. Now, it's always nice to have somebody that you just didn't expect just go boom, right? But, I mean, we're, even if he is pretty good, like, where's he playing? He's playing behind Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, uh, LaVisca Chanel, and Christian Kirk. Like, those are the four guys in, and those four guys are getting, like, 95% of the workload. Uh, and health obviously comes into play here. And, and then I'm not even counting guys like Treadwell and Jamal Agnew, who are way ahead of any undrafted free agents. So I will, I will concur that Winningham, Lawan Winningham, by the way, out of central Arkansas, uh, he's a 6'3 guy, and he has caught just about everything in sight. And I did see him drop one uh, recently. But I'm telling you, he's had really nice plays, and I've noticed them like a few times. And it's always cool when you notice guys because you're looking at so many different numbers and players and the rest. And so number 15 out there for the Jags, he's been very noticeable. And i got to believe the coaches have noticed him too. But I just don't know where he fits, and I think that's kind of a good thing that they don't need to rely on Man, I hope we just find somebody in camp we didn't expect to do well that can fill this position and role. You know what I mean? So if that's the case, though, if, if he's really stuck behind at least the, the, the four bigs that you threw out there and then a couple of other guys maybe who have been on the roster for a while, then what is he building towards with this performance if he continues to keep it up? Playing for the uh, Commanders? No. He, he could play alongside Alan Lazard in like a year all of after the Jags got him. <laughs> um, well, listen, the practice squad is a thing, and... Marvin Jones, I'll give, okay, let's, let's set a roadmap for any of them. But we're talking Winningham right now. So I don't think he makes the 53. I think he has a shot to make the 53. Well, I shouldn't say a shot. Given the health status of everybody right now, it would look very unlikely for him to make the 53. Special teams certainly comes into play here as well, and, and that's really hard for the outsiders to know who's doing what on special teams, and it's way too early to even diagnose that. Uh, but... You stack them on the practice squad. You really like them. Put them on the practice squad. Nobody else picks them up, and, and you're able to hide them and all this stuff. Well, you keep them there for a year, and now next year, how did LaVisca play? Jamal Agnew, I'm not sure he's even still a part of this thing. Treadwell, I'm not sure he's a part of this thing. Marvin Jones, his contract has run out, and you're probably not re-signing him. So the roadmap says... Can you find the next Alan Hearns? Can you find the next Keelan Cole to add to your depth where you don't have to burn a draft pick on it? And you're confident that they could be part of the future. But I just don't see him part of 2022 without some major impact on the injury front, guys. 
um, in, in that respect. In fact, as I think about it, where could an undrafted free agent make this team minus special teams? Offensively, like the offensive line, they, they've pretty much got it figured out. Maybe a back-end tight end, but I doubt it given the draft and the investment in guys like Farrell and Manhurts, and now you've traded for Dan Arnold, and, and you've got Ingram, who you signed. Like, there's four. Probably mm-hmm. not there. You, we just talked receiver. Quarterback, no. Uh, and running back is probably the spot. So the only place on the offense to make this team as an undrafted free agent is somebody that just goes bonkers in the next month at the running back position and you fall in love with him. By the way, it did just happen a couple of years ago with James Robinson. But, yeah, that's probably the spot. Because on offense, at least, yeah, because you need four, right? You're probably going to carry four, and right now we got three. Yeah, you can carry three, but I think they're going to carry. I think they, they will want to carry four, especially with the injuries yeah. these guys are coming off, you know? So, yeah, I would guess that's a spot. And I also think tight end's possible because Manhurts was an Urban Meyer brainchild, right? And who knows how Doug Peterson feels. Luke Farrell, again, was an Urban Meyer draft pick. So you might have an opportunity at tight end. No, you're saying it's a full room, but there might be a room there to wiggle, wiggle yourself in there is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, and again, I Defense, I though, give me safety. I don't want to speak this into existence, guys, because so. but injuries happen. And so you're eventually, like, you lose a wide receiver every camp, it feels like, to, for some extent of time, whether it's a couple of weeks on a sprained ankle. You know I mean? Look at the Jags' history. Even 17, they lose Allen Robinson, first play of the, of the year. Yeah. They lose DJ Chark three weeks in last year. And, and so there's, there usually is some fluid nature just because of the nature of the game. And, and injuries happen. But the offensive side, I, I think you guys are right on. I think we're all on the same page. I mean, maybe running back. I don't think tight end, but maybe somebody sneaks in the back door. That really impresses at the tight end spot. Uh, the defensive side, I think you just said something, Casey, that's probably very accurate. There's not a lot of depth right now at safety. Uh, that could be a spot uh, that, that comes in handy um, for an undrafted free agent if they're able to really put on a show over the next four weeks. Yeah, uh Unconfirmed, I think he is, but is Wingard still on the team? Yes. Has he been out there? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I stand by my point, though, safety, because I think you got a really good team, a uh, really good group at corner, I should say. Maybe interior of the offensive line, but that doesn't really seem like a position you find undrafted free agents that are good. Yeah, I doubt that. Unless and you can find just a big dude that can stuff the run. Yeah, yeah you're in the defense is talking about the interior of the defensive yes, line. Yes, yes, yes. The... You know, if you look down, like, the depth chart of the Jags, let's, let's go back to the safety spot, and or the, at least the secondary, right? You got Rayshon Jenkins, you got Andre Sisco. Rudy Ford did a nice job last year. Forgot so about from a safety standpoint, like, he can play that spot. And Daniel Thomas is a guy that now has hung around for a few seasons. Oh, yeah, I, I like him. he's a fifth-round pick out of Auburn. Yes. And he also, I believe, is a pretty decent special teamer. So they – Brandon Rusnick, he made this team. He's hung around a little bit. But I think they like like Jenkins, Cisco, Thomas, Ford. And, I I mean, Wingard, a lot of people, I know the Wingard thing every time you bring it up. But, again, he must be a hell of a special teamer to be able to make this roster year in, year out. And then he's been forced into kind of some safety action along the way. Uh, Linebacker depth, there's always a chance. Uh, You've got your big guys you've invested in. What do they think about Jameer Jones, Shaq Quarterman, who's from Jacksonville, Terrell Adams, those kind of guys? Could somebody beat them out? Uh, You know, maybe. Uh, And then 
around that defensive front, you've invested with Fadakasi and Roy Robertson Harris over the last couple years. We talked about Dewan Smoot, Arden Key. They brought in uh, Malcolm Brown. They traded for last year. What's interesting to keep an eye on is guys like Brown and Tufeli, even though they drafted him last year. And even Devon Hamilton, well, I would say Devon Hamilton's going to fit just fine. I don't think his job's on the line. But to Philly and even Malcolm Brown, where do they fit in this scheme? As opposed to when they got, went and got him last year for that scheme. And I think there are going to be some players that could be casualties of the scheme. And I just wonder, I'm just talking out loud, that maybe there's a guy that comes in here, uh, to your point, Casey, at that interior position, at the defensive front, and, and he just fits better. Yeah. Than, than some of those other guys and makes them expendable. Um, and, and so we'll see. Like I, Again, we're guessing. But isn't it weird that a team that hasn't been very good, you kind of feel like much of their roster is pretty set where you don't need an undrafted free agent surprise to happen to feel better about it. Like I don't think anybody that they have as an undrafted free agent is going to make them go, oh, now I love the safety group. Yeah. You know, that's just not going to happen. And and I think this is a product of a lot of draft picks over the last couple of years and then a lot of money spent this offseason. And that's why. Like, the, usually when you win four games over a two-year span, you, you are your roster is not good. Like, no. it's very depleted. I'm not saying these guys are good. I think there's a difference. You have to learn if they're good. There are too many players on this team right now that we don't know if they're good. But they made the investment, and you better find out. And that's just a natural part of the process, I think. Like, I'm not cutting some of these guys. Like, Tufeli's very interesting. You picked him last year. What was he, like a fourth-round pick? Yes, sir. Can you cut that guy even if he's not a good fit? That's such a waste. Or is that just the cost of doing business when you change coaches? I don't know how they look at that, feel about that. Um, But those are the guys. Like, I have no idea about Jay Tufeli as a player. We hardly saw him. Yeah. But if I'm, I'm... drafted him with a fourth-round pick, I want to see him. I want to see what it's all about. And I think there are a lot of players on the Jags roster like that. And um, quite frankly, it might be why a guy like Luke Fortner has been out there front and center at the center spot. Because, listen, we made the investment. We're going to find out. We're not going to sit around for a year to find out. We think this guy can play. Let's go find out if he can play. And if he's not doing well, then we'll put Tyler Shatley back over there. True. Maybe that's the mentality they have. It's it's. Uh, we always talk about this with Andre Cisco. It's like, why didn't you play him last year? Who cares if he made mistakes? You stunk. Find out if he's good. Let him learn. Uh, they did that with some guys. They didn't do that uh, with some other guys. Uh, Brett Martin, Casey Kurtz, Aaron Schachter here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We will have a con- conversation with Dan Arnold coming up in a little bit. What was everybody saying at Camp Day 3? We uh, uh, will check in with not just players, but what some of the media was saying. The people we can mention, of course. We'll give that list to Steven when he calls in. (laughs) We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We'll also take a, a visit to the AFC North. We can leave Aaron's Jets out of this conversation. Ah, when what a disappointment. On ESPN 690. I think what's pretty cool is there you've got the experience. You've got guys that have been around with...
Scherf and Shatley and even a Cam Robinson. And then you've got some young guys that, you know, are hungry and eager to learn. And there's there's great leadership. There's good experience. There's youth. There's talent. You know, it's a lot of, of cool things to work with and see. And what's been cool is to see kind of the culture they've created in their room, the way they communicate, um, the way they interact with one another. And that's been pretty good to see. I mean, everybody's out here hungry to learn and get better at it. And that's what's cool. It's a hungry football team, it seems like, uh, here in Jacksonville, and that's a good thing. Again, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. I think these coaches are walking into a really good spot. If you go back to 2017, it was a hungry team. It really was. And then they had players in, in 17 especially that were playing for, like, uh, careers or jobs or contracts or whatever. I think they had a bunch of that. And then they had talent, too. I mean, they, they certainly had, you know, really – good talent along the way so it was like this blend and this combination i think you have some of that this year uh because you have player like josh allen who is motivated for multiple reasons to play very well i think you do have some talent on this team from trevor to etn to uh sheriff to kirk to you know the linebacker play like there i think i can spot talent like that is there enough of it i don't know um, and, and maybe that hungry factor of, of we're tired of losing, there's enough of those guys still around. And so I'm not predicting 2017. I'm just telling you that's a nice formula sometimes for the chemistry of a locker room, for the motivation of a team to be attention to detail, uh, perk up in meetings instead of sleep. You know, do whatever you have to do to get out of this whatever rut, uh, the most recent rut. The Jaguars are in. Brent Martineau, Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz here on a Wednesday, obviously talking a bunch of football with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, we've been going around uh, the league with some other divisions and some quick hitters along the way. How about we stop with the AFC North, guys? And this might be the most fascinating division we have in uh, the entire NFL. Everybody's got their eyes on the West. We'll, we'll talk about them in a couple days. But quite frankly, the AFC North has a chance Tell me if you agree with this or not. Has a chance to be a better division than the AFC West? Oh, completely disagree. <laughs> like, I get where you're coming from, because there are a lot of special teams in that division, right? you got the reigning Super Bowl challengers. You've got the Lamar-led Ravens. You've got uh, the Browns, which are a big question mark. And you got the Steelers, which I think, you know, despite having less talent on that team than they've had in years past. It's still the Steelers, right? So, like, yes, to your point that it's going to be competitive, but to rival the AFC West, I think they got to do some pretty special things in that division this year. Casey, last year it was the NFC West that was like that, you know, that crazy division that everybody was talking about. Now, Seattle fell off. They weren't who everybody thought they were. Uh, Arizona was really good early. They end up falling off late. San Francisco really gets on a roll. They actually slow start, too, if I remember correctly. And then the Rams were the Rams. Uh, so I think people predicted the AFC West to be the best. I'm sorry, the NFC West last year. And it turned out that it probably was. Uh, you give any credence to my AFC North could sneak in as the best division in football, even though most people would put their money on the West. Um, yeah, I'll give you a little bit. You know, not a ton, but I believe Lamar and the Ravens will be good. Uh, I feel okay about the Steelers. I made a bet about them. Uh, obviously, Joe Burrow. So, yeah, I think I think there's a chance. And, you know, Cleveland is Cleveland. Deshaun Watson, if he's out there, yeah. But um, I think I think there's definitely an opportunity because there's three teams I think could be really good. And then, obviously, the Browns are kind of a wild card there. So, we'll have to see how it plays out. But, yeah, I will give you some credence that they could be a really good division. 
Wow, Casey just said something I caught, uh, which was interesting. He said three teams can really be good, and then the Browns are a wild card. I thought three teams could really be good, and who did you think was going to be the team that he left out? Aaron. The Steelers, of course. Yes, me yeah. too. You know, but he's a Trubisky. No, Trubisky's on the team. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> he doesn't have his jersey yet, but he, he's a Trubisky fan. They must have and given so, him an autograph at some point. Nope, never met the man. <laughs> so what but, is your obsession with Mitchell Trubisky? Oh, he's really good. He was good on the Bears, and then Matt Nagy's an idiot, and then they got rid of the wrong guy, and then they found out Matt Nagy was the problem, and then he went to Buffalo and didn't play and figured out how to play, and now he's going to go to the Steelers and shred. Absolutely shred. 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 That is, uh, it's that gonna is be, a bold prediction. It's going to be like Trevor Lawrence against the air, but in real life with this guy, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. He's going to be shredding the Ravens. Calais going to be running around circles trying to find him. It's going to be a nightmare. Over under... 14 and a half, where does Trubisky rank at the end of the season? QB what? In what? Uh, overall stats, so like uh, quarterback rating, touchdown interceptions. You think he's middle of the pack? You think he's upper echelon? Uh, he's he's in that 15 region for sure, no doubt. I'll go over. 15 doesn't <laughs> sound like shredding to me, but okay. You know, you, you know what number Trubisky has a potential to be? One. Two. 37. <laughs> yeah, if he doesn't play. Because... Pickett could be the guy. Yeah. Week six, is Pickett the guy? Now, I know what Casey's going to say. I think it's a fair question. By week six, is Pickett the guy in Pittsburgh, or is it Trubisky? Trubisky's in gravy, baby. Here's what, here's what I'm saying. I don't, I'm not, I'm not even close to the amount of believer in Mitch Trubisky that the Red Men is Casey Kurtz is. Call him Mitchell. You don't know him like that. If Pickett is starting... In the middle of the season, the end of the season, obviously it hasn't gone well for the Steelers, and, and your poor Mitchell Trubisky hasn't made it. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. He'll be starting 17 games, barring injury. They got people to throw to on that team. Yeah, they do. He's going to look like a star, and he's going to hand it to Najee Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Najee's really good, too. Not Trubisky's <laughs> in gravy. Don't let him get going. Uh, so that is Pittsburgh. That, I, Pittsburgh is – I'm trying to think of their ceiling. Super Bowl. Uh, this What's is that? insanity. They're, they're, they weren't a good team, even with an okay quarterback. Big Ben the was thing, not an okay quarterback. The thing about them, I believe. At the end. I believe, like, their Florida ceiling um, wiggle room might be less than anybody else in the NFL. Because Tomlin knows how to win with, like, when things go bad. He's a great coach. You know? He, mm-hmm. he just, he always wins. Like, how do you. How would you put Pittsburgh under 500 in 2022? It's tough. He's never been under 500. Never there. Yeah, just too good. So, but I also like. I'm. I mean, I can't. I have a hard time getting them to 10 wins. Well, if you're not under 500 at 17 game season, you're nine and eight, and then I have a hard time getting you to 10 wins. (laughs) Like, I think the only record for the Pittsburgh Steelers can be nine and eight this year. Yeah. No, I'm with you, though. They're, like, middle of the pack, and, and they're not worse than it, and they're not better than it, and it's it's a very small window in which they're going to live. All right, let's go around the uh, other teams. Uh, I'm going to hold off on the uh, Super Bowl erupts. Uh, Cleveland is fascinating, right? Are you guys with me? Cleveland has a really good roster. A great roster. Uh, and, by the way, the roster was really good when Baker was there, too. It was, but, I yeah. It's I, better I now. It's, but it's even better now. Yeah. No. And Deshaun certainly changes things. The way this thing is tracking, I mean, does it look like Deshaun might be back, like by sometime in October? I mean, possibly. The last thing I heard was two to eight weeks. Is that what? 
Is nobody, that that's nope, all? Like, yeah, but nobody knows. Two to eight weeks is a huge number. The NFL yeah. uh, brass it sounds like 16. It, they're really fighting that thing. Hey, let's go back to the part where we said that the Cleveland roster is better now than it was. What are we talking about exactly? Well, they've got some more playmakers on there. No, no, no. Who, though? Because well, they let go of Jarvis Landry and they brought on Amari Cooper. E- e- yeah, and they had Odell. Right, so Chubb is healthy. He wasn't healthy last year. Kareem Hunt is healthy. He wasn't healthy last year. They were both year. healthy. Kareem Hunt missed multiple games. Kareem Hunt's not the starter. First of all, it's a two-headed monster. Granted, Chubb is the, is the, is the back there. He's the feature back. But Kareem Hunt is a big part of what the Browns do. Like, I, okay, I'll give it to you. Whatever, that's fine. But you're not going to sit here and tell me that Amari Cooper and whoever else they have is more talented than it was with OBJ and Jarvis Landry. OBJ did nothing on the Browns. And that was a Baker Mayfield problem. But well, you're not going to sit here and tell me that Amari Cooper is more talented than Ob- Odell Beckham Jr. I'm saying if Amari Cooper does what he normally does, it's, it's so, better than what they had with Landry and, and, and Odell. I disagree. I agree. I agree with you. I agree. I, I, I'm not telling Casey, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. Like, if you want, who do you want type of thing? Or, um, like, can these guys, that, that really would be cool to have Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. It didn't work. Like, it just wasn't working for whatever reason. Is that Stefanski's fault? Is that Baker Mayfield's fault? Uh, I feel good that Amari Cooper is going to be productive. Been productive were, even when things didn't work in Dallas all the time. So, okay. Sure, right. When it's a big game, though, he'll be nowhere to be found. MIA, missing in action. But I give it to you. So, the problem here is Baker Mayfield, then. You don't believe in Donovan Peoples-Jones, by the way? Right, you're going to sit here and tell me that Deshaun Watson with Odell and Jarvis Landry is worse than Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. But Odell and and Deshaun Watson was never a possibility. I know. I'm saying so it's down to the quarterback. I'm not saying the roster's more talented. They might have a better quarterback now. Now, I would say it's down to the quarterback or the coach. I'm not going to take all blame away from the coaches and how they utilize those guys, right? I mean, Beckham Jr., and he obviously had more in the tank, and McVay used him a hell of a lot better. Uh, Landry, maybe the same thing. Or or not everybody was after Landry, so maybe he just started to go downhill. You know, th- that might be a fair assumption based on not a lot of attention toward him once he got let go. So I, I think, uh, and again, I think there's still a pretty high level of play with Cooper. I, I can't dismiss that because I wouldn't have minded the Jags getting him, quite frankly. I remember that conversation. Of course. So, I, you know, I agree with you name recognition-wise. It's it's prob- it's not as good. Now, they did go get David Bell. So, can they use that tool? Their offensive line, seriously, they're built on the run, right? Their offensive line is 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 maybe the best. Bunch of hosses. And, and they're and by the way, if they have Deshaun Watson, he makes other receivers and other guys like Joku and, and Joku and those guys better. Like, he is one of those players that probably makes other people better that we were talking about at the top of the show. So, and I'm not talking about Watson's situation. Watson, the player, gives them a chance, in my opinion, to be like a Super Bowl contender. Because I think their roster is, I mean, their defense is really good. Really David good. David Bryan on it now. Really good. <laughs> Like, that's a good team when they're settled without question marks under center. That's a scary team. Yeah, I think it's scary. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, I think there are differing opinions. I don't think everybody's going to agree with us on that. And they're Cleveland. And Cleveland can't figure it out that's, as much as the Jags yeah, can't figure it out. Or the Jets, you know? for that matter. Yeah, you're right. Or the right. Jets. Uh, they're in that, that group of teams. Browns are going to Browns. Just, they, yeah, they're going to probably Browns in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so, okay, you move on, and you got the Ravens. The Ravens are a little bit of a mystery to me, too, because – I just don't know what to expect. They feel aging to me. 
they feel not as dynamic as I think they could or should be or a lot of people in the league are. I don't know how long this contract stuff is going to go with Lamar Jackson. He doesn't seem uh, to care, though. He doesn't. Um, I think they're good because they're always good. They're kind of in the Pittsburgh conversation, but I also don't see them as like a 13-14. and 14. Like, am I missing something? Is Baltimore like... Does they, do they have the potential for that? I think I think here's where a lot of people struggle with Baltimore, including possibly you, is that all the things you said, they got this great front office, this great coaching staff, they've got an all-pro under center who's an amazing athlete, but they leave so many of these playmaker positions with question marks, like their wide receiver rotation or trading away basically their best receiver and not really replacing him, or even the, the backfield. They're the four-headed monster they go into the regular season with, it seems like, every season. And ultimately, it doesn't necessarily hurt them terribly. But I don't know. If I'm a Ravens fan, I'd like to feel a little more secure about who Lamar is going to in, in those times rather than him yeah. just running for his life again. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and now he's going to go to Mark Andrews, and they're going to get a lot out of the tight end position. Sure. They're going to get a lot out of their running backs, their offensive line. They're going to play physical, all those things. They've got the best kicker in the game who's going to win them at least one game, if not two. So, But like uh, Rashad like, Bateman as your number one, and you're looking at that team going number one seed in the, one of the tougher divisions in the AFC, that's tough for me. I know, but they still like kind of find a way to do it. They do. And, and they scare you, and you don't want to play them. And, and like they have the moxie. They, they, they know how to win. It's funny. It's like what I'm saying. What I just tweeted here is like, I think the Ravens are good, but I just don't know if they're elite. And and that's what's interesting when you look at the West. You see teams that can be elite. Kansas City has already proven it. The Chargers have a roster, and the Raiders have a roster that looks elite. And Russell Wilson has proven to be elite, and they look like they have a roster that could, could blossom and people would buy into. Now, listen, Lamar's shown he can be elite. He was MVP. Uh, Joe Burrow was elite last year. And Deshaun Watson has proven to be elite. Pittsburgh doesn't have that guy. but So I just think I understand why everybody loves the AFC West. There's more to buy into. There's more to see. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, the, team, the, the, the division that seems to know how to win better than anybody else is, is the AFC North. And that does leave us now into Cincinnati. And I just expect the drop-off. How can you not? They're not going back to the Super Bowl. Like, I'd bet against it with everything I got. And they're good, and they're fun, and they're young, but they have to prove to everybody they're here to stay, and they can do it again. They've made a lot of improvements, by the way. Offensive line, defense, like they actually might be better than they were last year when they made a Super Bowl run, yet I'm, I think they're going to be very competitive, very good. They'll, they'll contend for the division title. But I, I just I'm not going to buy that they're going to do what they did last year, guys. It just seems like all the question marks around the Bengals kind of center around their defensive situation. First and foremost, the whole Jesse Bates thing. Is he still holding out? I didn't see if that thing got resolved earlier today or not. But um, Jesse Bates not happy with his contract. He's not coming to camp. That's a big deal. You got uh, defensive back rotation issues on the team in general, even with Bates uh, playing safety. But you know, clearly the offense has got it clicking. And, and and if any of those receivers take another step forward next year as more repetitions with Burrow happen and more consistency with that team happens, it's just an even scarier offense. That is crazy. Yeah, well, and, and would you buy into Cincinnati? See, they have two teams in the division that's tough to, like, convince yourself to buy into, Cincinnati and Cleveland based off history. Right. And again, this is this is coming. This is a show in Jacksonville, okay? That we get that, like we understand that. The the Bills were like that for a really long time, and then kind of turned that around. 
The Rams were like that for a long time. Turned it around. The Raiders seemingly last year and have been building toward this. That they have turned it around, especially with all their acquisitions. Doesn't seem like their floor could be that low. But it just doesn't it feel like in Cincinnati and maybe even in Cleveland that something's going to go awry that will mess it up and there's no way they can do it two years in a row. And I think they might be, they're probably better. They've made improvements. Like they are better in 22 on paper. Uh, everyone in that division isn't going 11 and, and, and 6. So well, that's, that's true, too. Like someone, someone's got to lose. lose. Um, but, uh, Cincinnati, by the way, has the best roster in the division. I'd love to see you guys argue about that. The best well, roster in the division, huh? Well, here's the deal, Casey. The problem with the Bengals roster is they have like a, they've had a no-name defense, essentially, that played their ass off last year and played really well and made huge plays and was like... Uh, was very consistent. Like, they kept the offense in the game. They, they always gave themselves a chance to win, and then their offense had playmakers like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Burrow. So is that what this defense is? Do they take another jump? Are they even better? Or do they, as a guy like Logan Wilson, not have this crazy good year like he did last year? Or is he a stud? Like, I don't know. Right. But, but I think it's a fair question. Like, is that guy Darius Leonard? Or are we calling him Shaquille now? Yeah. <laughs> so Shaquille Leonard, or is he, oh, that was a hell of a year, and he's a really good player, but he's not a great player. Because that guy was awesome last year. He was. He's out, is he, uh, he's a guy out of Boise State, is that right? Uh, Wyoming. Oh, Wyoming, Wyoming, that's right. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what I don't, did everything come together on the defensive side of the ball? And was that offensive line good enough? Although, again, they should be improved on both of those areas, at least on paper with what they did uh, in the offseason. We'll see. I think it's a fascinating division. I think it could be really good. Like, I think it's it's a division one when you play, when you line up against them and you go into that week, and if you're a fan of any team and you've got any of those teams on the schedule, you're like, listen, there's some good ball players here. Uh, this could be a tough game, but I'm confident, like, we can beat them. Like, I think we can beat them. Like, my team can beat them. And then you're going to probably get punched in the face and lose. <laughs> Like, seriously, I, that's that division. That's what Steelers have done for four decades. That's what the Ravens have done for the last two decades. They're not sexy. Remember we said Miami's roster looked kind of sexy? Oh, you guys did. Let's get clear yeah. on that. Bro, the, the Bengals Ravens are... Steelers, the the Ravens and Steelers are not a sexy roster. Bengals and they are, might though. win the division. Yeah. You're right, Casey. Bengals are Steelers sexy. Aren't that's a sexy team. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati is a sexy team. With a better quarterback than Miami. But Cincinnati's defense isn't sexy. No, that's why they need the quarterback to throw 50 times a game and throw 40 touchdowns a year. All right, we got to get out here. Be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Football 5 coming up in just a little bit. Dan Arnold conversation on the way as we continue to highlight the tight ends of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you're a Major League Baseball team right now and you're not at least making that call, you're not doing your job. But no, I, I have a story up on ESPN.com right now about uh, why Sho- Shohei Otani is not going to move, even if it might actually be the right thing for the Los Angeles Angels to do. Um, there, there's a, frankly, I think there's as good, if not better, argument to move Otani than there is to move Soto. But... I just don't see the Angels doing that at this point, even if it would be what's best for them long-term. I don't know who that is, but obviously it's about the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Yeah, it's uh, 
Jeff Passan on Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're talking to the Mets about moving Otani over there. Just uh, say Gosh. I mean, if you're the Angels, can you move Otani? Yes. I mean, it doesn't sound like they want to. Why would you not, though? You know? You don't have really many major leaguers. You know how many you could get back for him? All of them. Because he's better than Babe Ruth. But I guarantee you he's a big reason why those stands have been full all year for the Angels. No, no, no. He's not a big reason. He's the only reason. No. There are, there are a few players on that team. They but have dudes similar right. to us playing with Shohei Otani. Listen, I'm not asking. This is like, this is kind of like the Judge or Soto thing. Oh, Judge is playing so well right now. Like, that's actually closer. But Soto's so young. And who would you invest in more? Like, I think, I think Soto helps you win big more often than actually Judge. But Judge is a superstar. And so I can't fault them for, you got to pay Judge. Like, I would keep Judge if I was the Yankees. I wouldn't worry about Soto. Because I got a guy, and people fear him, and he's very good, and he's also like a star. And so I think even given the age and, and the metrics that might balance in Soto's favor, I would go with, with Judge. Like, it doesn't matter if you're winning or losing, if you're the Angels. Shohei Otani is like, is almost like baseball right He's now. the show. He's the show. <laughs> you He's know? the main attraction. So, and why would you lose that? Like, I mean, these people are businessmen, too, you know? Like, I, they Some point you got to win, though. They've, listen, they've tried a lot of ways. One thing you can't fault the Angels for is they've tried. They just suck at it. That's very fair. <laughs> like, they, they are the tried. worst at it. <laughs> no, they suck. Like, do you believe I, – I don't know what it is, but weren't they up like eight games early on in the year or yes. seven games? Yes. And now they're down like 25 games. Hey, look, the Mets are up 10 With and a half. and Trout. They don't have major leaguers, Brent. They are playing guys that have no business playing or had business playing 10 years ago or five years ago. That's a little too much. I'm, you have to move the dude. Like, I love him. I'd rather him be on the East Coast because I don't have to stay up till 1 in the morning to watch him pitch because he pitches until the 8th inning because he's that guy. But <laughs> the point of the story is, you're. I mean, the return would be, like, all of your top 10 prospects, no problem, send them over, all good, and then a couple of major leaguers as well. Like, the return going, would be massive. Well, if you're going to trade him, then why don't you just trade Trout too? I'm not... I'm not that means you're not trying to win. Well, it also means you're, not, you're not trying to win. We figured that out. It also means you're not trying to fill the stands, though. I mean, you, you got fifty thousand seats to fill, a hundred or eighty something times a year. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't disagree with that point. That's the only reason people are going. But at some point in time, to continue to be a team, you have to win. Your prospects yeah. suck. Your team sucks. You have two good players. Do what you got to do. You said you're a Rays fan. Yes. All right, just checking. I know the difference between. I know teams that suck. Like I've been there. And we're coming back there, by the way. Rays are making the full circle. Yeah, they are. Uh, football at 5 coming up. Uh, conversation with Dan Arnold. Uh, what everybody else was saying from camp today for day three of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Trevor continues to look good. A lot of good things coming out of Jags camp here in week number one. We talked about some of it when we come back on ESPN 690.